0: Of heights to the depths of the
1: sea. Number one, because of the prejudices of that time, conversations between men and women, much less a rabbi who they considered him to be, with a woman was very verboten. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature's unique.
0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Who is told every where it go? For many reasons, this woman would have been despised by most of the religious leaders in the days of Jesus. She was a Samaritan and a woman of questionable reputation. Yet in the interview with Nicodemus, John shows us Jesus has something to say to the religious establishment. In the meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well, John showed us Jesus has something to say to those despised by the religious establishment. God tells us in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Now let's join Pastor Rob.
1: I don't agree with his policies, but I'm glad. I would say we went, we've come a long way, baby. Right? Things have gotten a lot better until all of this stuff has stirred things up and brought it right into the center and everybody's upset again. And it's becoming unraveled before us and it's pitting people against each other. And Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The solution for all these problems in our country is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does it say in Galatians? There is neither Jew nor Greek in Christ, mind you. In Christ that's why it's so important that we get the news out we, we get the gospel out because that is the thing granted let's vote let's let's do these things we have to do those things in addition to the most important thing which is to get out and share the good news of the gospel because that changes everything it changed me it was more than just knowledge it was it was a heart that was changed oh for heaven's sakes I'm so glad Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. You're not only one human race, but in Christ you are one as well. Does that break down everything? Why isn't it that the world can't understand that? Well, it's spiritually discerned. And it's also an affront to the natural man's heart. That's why they cannot. It's not that they cannot, they will not. Do you understand the difference? They will not because they have to submit to Christ. And when you submit to Christ, all of a sudden I've got to give up all the awful things that I like to do that are sinful. In First Corinthians twelve, what does it say? For as the body is one and has many members, but all the bodies of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. In Christ, he reconciles the world with all of its bitterness, all of its little compartments that they stick people in, all the little pigeonholes and pockets that people put each other in. He goes, Oh, no problem. I'll just gather it all unto myself. We are all one in Christ. Let's applaud that. <laughs> I mean, he does. He is the one who brings us into one. We are one race, and he in Christ brings us into one. There is nothing better than that. You know, honestly, if you looked at those things from at point blank, you would think that the world would be embrace it. How do we get rid of this? We just come to Christ. He loves everybody. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what ethnic background you have. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Are you in Him or are you not? Be in Him. He is the only one who can cure you. He can heal you. He can give you a new heart. Nothing else can do that. Nothing else can do that. When He changes your heart, He changes your worldview. Through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, he changes your whole outlook. And let me tell you, it's the best thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. In John chapter 17, Jesus speaking in his high priestly prayer, what does he say? I would encourage you to read it. There's a lot of wonderful pronouns in that, and it's all about unification, about being unified to his Father and the, and the Bride of Christ, the Church, being unified to him. And, and because of that, we're all unified with him, and we're all together. He says in John 17:11, he says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these, my disciples, they are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are, a oneness of Christ, God's oneness people. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be a Christian. I am so glad to to know that I am in the beloved. I'm so glad that God has us and he's making us one. He breaks down every barrier. And I hope you feel comfortable here this morning because there's not anybody who is not welcome. You are all welcome. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Come and be healed. We all need healing. Come and be encouraged. We all need to be encouraged. And let God deal with these things in our hearts. And may we, we are the only ones who have the solution to a world that is dying. We have the solution. They do not have the solution. Every solution they have is a band-aid. And thank God that's all they can do. But you and I have the Spirit of God in us. You and I have the very Holy Spirit of God in us. Only we can give them the truth. I love that. So verse 5, he says, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And many believe this is uh, Jacob's, um, probably the same name actually, as the town of Shechem, a town in Samaria. And it says now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, and thus sat on the well, for it was about the sixth hour. So this sixth hour was about noontime, the hottest hour of the day. And notice verse seven a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me something to drink. Normally women would not come out in normally excuse me, normally women would come out in the morning when it was cooler, which makes sense. If you live in the Middle East, you do things based on the weather. You don't do things based on your schedule. Your schedule, you work around the weather. You you draw the water in the morning when it's cool, not in the midday when it's blazing hot and 110 degrees and dry. And so here, this woman, she comes out, and she comes out at noon, which perhaps sheds a little light on her social position. And we learn in this chapter that she has already had five husbands, and the man that she's living with is not her husband, so she's already got some issues, right? She may be she may be considered an outcast, if you will, of the outcast. What is she doing alone, coming out? No other other women are with her. Why is that? Because you know she lives in a Samaria, which is you know bad enough from you know from her perspective, perhaps because of all the prejudices. But now she's because of her social, her five husbands, and all this other stuff. Other women might not want to be around her either. And here she is coming out at noon to get water, and Jesus has this chance meeting because he needed to go to Samaria. Why? Because of this right here, because of her. And have you ever felt like this or known others who have felt like that, like an outcast? But what is the value of a soul? Can you put a price on the value of a soul? The soul of a human being is so precious in the sight of God. You and I are precious in his sight. He left the 99 to come to meet this one woman. And not only her, but through her, many other people in the village would come to Christ as well. What a great witness. We'll look at that next week. But it says his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the, Samara, the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask to drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. See, Jesus broke the social norms here. I don't know if you recognize this, but on at least a couple of occasions. Number one, because of the prejudices of that time, conversations between men and women, much less a rabbi who they considered him to be, with a woman was very verboten. It was very uh, something that was wasn't supposed to happen and especially between Jews and Samaritans we're going to look at that in a minute it was frowned upon and not only that the Jews looked upon the Samaritans as inferior because of their mixed race or their mixed ethnic you know the Gentiles and the Jews coming together intermarrying, having kids and having, um, having children that are mixed God doesn't have a problem with that he had a problem with it for the Jews to keep them initially, to keep them separate, to keep them from getting involved in idolatry. And we see why right here. We're going to look at this, and that's about all the time we're going to have for today. But it's very interesting that, um, you know, these these things that uh, Jesus broke these these norms. He broke them right down. And so there was this bigotry between the Jews and the Samaritans. The woman made it very clear. Why are you a Jew? Asking me, a woman, something to drink? The the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. What are you doing here? Do do you not know anything? (laughs) Well, there's a problem. You recall when the northern ten tribes were led into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., the southern two tribes of Judah and Benjamin and the northern ten tribes. And in 722, the Assyrians came and, and, took, and besieged them in Samaria... And they took them captive and brought them back to Syria. And what Sargon II, who was the king of Assyria, what he did is in place, after he removed the Jews, he took people from Babylon and other areas and he in, he in, in, induced them or in, in, interspersed them in with the people who were left behind. There was a handful. There was a remnant of Jews that didn't get taken to captivity. But he takes this king of Assyria takes these people from Babylon and other Gentile areas and brings them into the land. They intermix with each other. They marry. They have kids. They're, they, they bring in foreign gods. And this is the problem that God you know, was warning them about. It was mainly a religious thing. It was mainly a, a relationship thing. They were bringing these false gods in because that's what all they did. Turn with me, if you would, to Second Kings chapter seventeen. We're just going to look at a couple of chapter, or a couple of passages today, and then we'll stop here. But this is why there was such bigotry between these two groups. It's important to look at this and to notice why this was. It didn't bother Jesus because he just sees a soul that needs to be saved. But people, they get out their magnifying glass. Let's see your pedigree. Let's look at your genealogy. Oh, really? (laughs) Notice in 2 Kings chapter 17, let's look at verse 24. This is what happened after the Jews in the northern ten tribes were taken captive. Notice what it says. Then the king of Assyria brought people, notice, underline this, the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Cuthath, Ava, Hamath, and from Sepharvaim and placed them, notice this, in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. They were still some of them there, we know that. But he replaced them with these people groups. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in the cities. Now go down to verse 29. It says, however, every nation continued, those nations that came in, they continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places which the Samaritans had made. And every nation in the cities where they dwelt. The men of Babylon, notice, what, they made the, an image. succoth Banath, The men of Cuth made Nergal, who was another idol. The men of Hamath made Ashima, which was another deity, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak and the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adremelech and to Enemelech, the gods of Sepharvim. And so they feared the Lord. Notice, they did fear the Lord, but it wasn't, we're going to see later, they not only feared the Lord, but they also feared their idols. They had this mixture, and that was the problem. That was the reasoning behind the animosity between them and the Jews, not only because of their intermixing of their breeding, but also the idolatry. But Jesus didn't have a problem with it. I mean, he had a problem with the idolatry. And notice, let's just skip right down to the bottom there in verse 40. It says, However, they did not obey, but they followed their own rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet they served their carved images, also their children and their children's children. Do you understand that? The, 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 this idea is being propagated for, from generation to generation They have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. That is the environment that Jesus is going into. That is why there was this animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. They saw it on a couple different levels. The intermixing, which the Jews weren't to do at that time. And the reason being is because at the the very least... The influence that these Gentiles would bring in with their pagan gods, and God wanted them to be a holy people, separate unto Him. Through them, the oracles of God would come. He wanted to keep them a special people, especially during that time. This is why there was so much hatred, so much bigotry. And this is why I believe the parable of the Good Samaritan was especially convicting to the Jews when they heard Jesus tell it. Let's turn here and then we'll end here this morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. Now with that background in mind, because this is what Jesus is coming into. This is why nobody went through Samaria at the time of Jesus. They would go to the east and go over across the Jordan, follow the Jordan all the way up, and then get up near Galilee, and then turn west and go into Galilee. Nobody went through Samaria. No good Jew would go through there because they were bigoted at that time. But Jesus didn't have a problem with it. And then now let's look at this parable and you'll understand why this really cut to the heart of those who are listening to this. And you will see why. It says, Behold... A certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, and I love it. I love how sometimes somebody will ask Jesus a question, and he could just answer it point-blank, but he gives them a parable. And it's very poignant. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounding him and departed, leaving him for half from half, uh, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. Noticed a priest came down the road and passed on the other side, seeing that it was a, you know, a Samaritan man. I'm sorry, seeing the man was, was ill. He, he didn't want to be bothered. He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite who was a member of the, of the, of the worship in Jerusalem, When he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and he passed by on the other side, didn't want anything to do with the man who had been beaten and wounded. But notice, a certain Samaritan, the one that nobody wanted to be around, the half-breed they would call him. They looked at, you know, this man comes. And this is just so the Lord. (laughs) This is just so the Lord. But a certain Samaritan... So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And this lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. It was a stinging rebuke because the priest, the Levite, these two of all the men closest to the Lord should have stopped, should have stopped and helped this man. But it wasn't those representing God that stopped to help the man. It was the man who was considered the outcast. It was the man who nobody wanted to deal with. He's the one who had compassion. And in this parable, you see Jesus just kind of putting his finger on the heart of man. Because within each of us, there's these ugly spots that need to go. These ugly things that we have even remnants of it, you know, in each of us there might be little spots of things that are lingering from our past and every now and then they come up. And as Christians, it can even happen to us. And I would encourage you as we continue this passage next week to really examine our hearts about these things because we're going to talk more about the salvation end of this next week. But examine your heart about people, how you deal with people, how you look at them. May there not be any form of this in us. I want to read one thing to you if I can find it here. It's not necessary. <laughs> let's ask the Lord to challenge us about these things. And let's, let's learn and grow and continue to love one another. And not let anything, not let anything get in the way of us ministering to one another. Nothing. The gospel lays kind of bare everything. It just lays the thing all straight, right? Because we are, what, are we many races or are we one race? We are one we are one, and in Christ we are one. We have differences, and that's okay. Why can't we just embrace the differences? I love difference. Think of what would happen if we all looked like me. God help you. I have to look at that every day in the mirror, and I look around and I see people just like me. I'd be like, you know, I really need some different ice cream. I mean, think if we only had vanilla ice cream. You know... What about strawberry ice cream? We are not the same in that regard, but we are all one. We all came from the same place, came from the same man, Adam, and we all came from the same man. Those of us who are Christians, we are in Christ, and in him we are one. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, um, this passage this morning, Lord. It really lays bare things, and it really challenges us, Lord. And we pray that, God, you would help us, Lord, to lay all these things at your feet, Lord, that there be no semblance of any of these things, no semblance, no prejudice, no bigotry in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. And, Lord, when it does rear its ugly head, Lord, we pray that you would convict us quickly, And that we would turn from those things by your Spirit's gifting and power. Lord, to turn away from those things and to love each other. For we are all made in your image. And Lord, you love us so much. And I just thank you for my brothers and sisters here this morning. I pray that you'd encourage them, strengthen them, protect them, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.